loose him and let him go. I've spoken through the month of September with you about Lazarus, but it really hasn't been about Lazarus, has it? It's been about Jesus. It all points to Jesus, to His power, and what we believe about Him and who we believe Him to be. This final statement, Jesus said to them, loose Him and let Him go. This has hardly been about Lazarus at all. And in this final sermon, it is about Jesus, but it's also about you as a church and your and my responsibility to obey God when He says, loose Him and let Him go. In the story that you've just heard, by the way, I like the fact, I'm very visual, and so I like the fact that all the verses that we're speaking about for this month, Todd, are in that video, and, and yet it adds so much to see what it might have looked like or it, and even sounded like if you could hear the, the Hebrew in the background. Not that I could understand it, but I could hear it. Loose him and let him go. I want you to notice in that passage the loud call of the Savior. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice. He didn't whisper. He called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! I think that there is a significance to his loud call. I want you to notice that was a personal call. Lazarus, come out. Now, by the way, I traced down that quote that Aaron used that uh, first Sunday, it's a good thing he called Lazarus by name, otherwise every grave in the cemetery would have been emptied because all the dead would have come out. Todd, that was from D.L. Moody, who actually, it's a quote from one of his sermons. But it is true, it was a personal call. I want you to understand that God has a personal call for every one of us. It was only at His personal call that I came to the Lord in faith and was saved. I was thinking the other day about, you know, Brenda recently had a birthday, and I really don't remember the date. Had to be summertime because we were having a revival. And you know, back in the day, Baptists could only hold revival meetings in the summertime. So if she got saved at a at, at a revival, it had to be in the summertime. But she got under conviction, and, and I had the opportunity of leading my wife. She was not yet my wife. She was my girlfriend. But I had the opportunity of leading my girlfriend, who would become my wife of now 51 years, to the Lord. She had a personal call from the Lord to salvation this past week. Bailey, is it okay if I share this? This past week, Bailey put on her contact card in this service that she wanted to be a member of this church. She told me as she left that she wanted to be a member of the church. And I said, well, we need to sit down and talk about that. She may have wondered 
Why do I have to talk with him and meet with him? She came to my office on Wednesday evening. And I, I didn't beat around the bush, bush much. I just said, you said you wanted to be a member of the church. And so we need to talk about that. And I asked her, have you been saved? And she, she was very direct. She says, I have not. I was a little surprised. Because most people make excuses and they talk about, well, I grew up in church and, and, you know, I believe in Jesus and make all kinds of excuses. When I asked her, have you been saved? She said, I have not. And I, I said, well, do you know what that means? And she had a great answer. She's been in church. She said, that means trust in the Lord, Jesus, uh, trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I said, yes. Have you done that? No. Do you know how to do that? And she said, well, not really. And so I took the Word of God and showed her. and She trusted the Lord Wednesday night. <laughs> Bailey felt a personal call. By the way, I asked her, there's a lesson in this for you too. I asked her, you've got all the church language? She prayed out loud, by the way. Not everybody does that to get saved. She prayed out loud and she prayed like a pro. And I said, you, you know the language. You know, how, how is it that you've never been saved before? You, she said, nobody's ever asked me. Let that sink in a minute. Nobody's ever asked me. Listen, there is a personal call for every one of us. A personal call to salvation. A personal call to follow the Lord in baptism. A personal call to serve as a member of the Lord's church. A commitment, not just to God, but also the church that God has put you into. That commitment is personal. We don't need just a group. We need every member involved in ministry in this congregation because of that personal call. By the way, the call to the, to the dead in the grave to be resurrected is a personal call. One day, you will hear that loud call. You will hear that loud call it is also a personal call. I mean, a powerful call. It's a personal call, and it's a powerful call. And Lazarus, the dead man, came out. That's a powerful call to raise the dead. Now, by the way, I don't know where he was. There's some argument because he was four days dead. There's some argument about where he was at that moment. And I don't know. I don't know. Some have said he was already with Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Jesus was there. There are some who believe that prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that people in the Old Testament were in paradise, and then later it was moved. I don't know. But I know this. Now. Now. When you, are, when you leave the body that you're walking around in now, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
when the motorcycle wreck happened, he was immediately in the presence of Jesus Christ. Praise God, that is our hope. If, that, if that's where Lazarus was, I suspect he was not happy to come back. I suspect he was not there. I don't know how that affects our theology. But wherever he was, he heard the voice of Jesus. He heard that powerful call. One day you will hear that powerful voice telling you to raise from the dead, to rise from the dead. I, I like the song, Aaron, that said, I will rise when I hear my name. You will rise to the resurrection of the just, of the saved, or you will rise to the resurrection of unbelievers and the unrighteous to spend the rest of eternity separated from God. Which resurrection are you going to be in? Bailey, I'm sorry to keep picking on you, but before Wednesday night, you would have heard the voice and been raised to spend an eternity separated from God. That's why she was so excited. Man, she called everybody she knew, I think, and said, I've been saved. Because all of a sudden, she's going to hear the voice of Jesus and rise into the resurrection of the just, of the saved, of the believer to spend an eternity with Christ in heaven. Praise God! Is that where you're going? Which resurrection will you be in? Where will you be one second after you close your eyes? Lazarus, come out. Lazarus heard that. Lazarus heard that. It was a powerful call. It was also a life-giving call. The dead man came out. He was dead, but Jesus gave him life. We heard again, I, I preached in the message a couple weeks ago, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He is a life-giving Savior. He gives us eternal life, not temporary life, Everlasting life. Still picking on Bailey. And the rest of you who are saved. Bailey will never have to worry about being lost again. That's the final verse I shared with her. John 5.24 He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has, right now, has everlasting life. And I love the next promise, Samantha, it says, and shall not come into condemnation, but has already passed from death unto life. Listen, hear the call of Jesus today. He is calling you, and I hope He's calling you with such a loud voice and such a powerful call that it draws you to Him. I picked on Bailey. Andrew's standing back there in the corner. And Andrew came last Sunday. He couldn't even speak. There, there were tears in his eyes. And he could not... Andrew, that was a powerful call, wasn't it, brother? 
That was a powerful call. And I pray that if you're resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, that He will put a powerful call on you. That you will hear it. And that you will surrender to God's will for your life. I want you to know, notice the loud call of the Savior. Number two, I want you to notice the response of the dead man. The response of the dead man. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out. Now you say, yeah, of course he did. Jesus called him. Now wait a minute. I, I, I'm not a Calvinist. I do not believe that Jesus violates our will when He calls us. He commanded Lazarus, I don't know where he was, but he chose to walk out of the tomb. He was not a robot. Do you get that? He did not come out like a robot. Now, he did come out stumbling and falling. Because he was wrapped in grave clothes. Now, I've wondered, does that mean he did this to, to, to come out? You people are hard to get to laugh this morning. <laughs> Had a choice. Now, he could have said, he could have chosen to stay in the tomb. Now, that would be pretty dumb, right? Oh, I like being dead. I like this tomb. It's cool in here. It's dark. And some of you will identify with this. I don't have to mess with people in here. I don't have to put up with anybody. I'm alone in here and I like it. No. That's, that's dumb. Listen, he had a choice and you have a choice. You can choose to answer God's call. Or you can choose to run from God and rebel against Him. But I don't recommend that. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, got the scars. I recommend that you do not run from God. Listen, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you think people are going to think. I used to worry about what people thought about me until I realized that nobody thought about me at all. It doesn't matter. God's grace is sufficient. And if you feel any twinge in your heart at all, you need to respond and do what God wants you to do. Let me tell you something. It is dangerous to resist the call of God. Yes, the call of Jesus is a loud call, and, I've, and I pray for a loud call to you this morning. But you know what happens when you resist that call? Your ears get deaf to it. Your heart gets hard to it. And it's not as loud as it used to be. Jesus is still calling but you've become accustomed to resisting and it's getting easier and easier. Some of us got it, got a, became accustomed to watching the service online in our pajamas and the couch became so comfortable that it was hard to come back to church again. Can I get an amen? 
And there are empty pews here this morning for or empty chairs for, for the same reason. Listen to me. The longer you stay out of church, the easier it is to not come to church. Because your ear gets deaf to the call of Jesus and your heart gets hard to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I do not recommend that you get too comfortable where you are. Where's, where's Wendy? I saw her come in. Wendy, I told you you were going to be in the sermon this morning. Uh, I, every time I met, all I have to do to get Wendy to laugh is say, one more night with the frogs. Anybody know what that means? Wendy knows. When, when the plague of frogs, Benjamin, came on Egypt, and, and everybody was tired of squishing on frogs and having frogs in their soup and their bread and their bed. Moses came to Pharaoh and Pharaoh begged him to take the frogs away. Moses said, when? Now, I don't know about you, but Betty, I would have said, now would be good. Right now. I want to be done with them. I'm tired of these frogs. You know what he said? Joseph, he said, tomorrow. Man, that is so dumb. <laughs> Alan, I want one more night with the frogs. I, I, I'm just not tired of them yet. I want one more night with the frogs. And you know the same thing is true. You're saying the same thing when God speaks to your heart what He wants you to do. And you say, well, I'm not ready yet. I think I'll wait to a more convenient season. Somebody said that to the Apostle Paul, right? I'll wait to a more convenient season. You know what you're saying? I like living in sin. I like living in rebellion. Oh, never mind that I'm miserable in this. Never mind that it's hurting my family. Never mind that I'm not enjoying the blessings of God. Give me one more night with the frogs. I don't recommend it. I want you to notice, though, this is the, the central point to me. This is why I'm preaching the message. Not that none of that had anything to do with us. Not that it's not important. But loose him and let him go is a call, is a command to the responsibility of that group of believers, that assembly, that congregation, that is a charge to the church. Jesus said to them, now notice the, he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. I told Aaron when he showed me the video, I said, you've got to stop it before he shows up. And we didn't quite make it this morning because it showed him with his face uncovered and it showed him coming out of the grave and all the cloths were falling off. Bregan, that's not the way it was, was it? He came out with all that still wrapped up. I mean, he was wrapped up like a mummy. Now, I, I read something about that and we usually think about a mummy as having his rigs legs wrapped together because the Egyptians believed in life after death. They wrapped the, the limbs separately. They didn't wrap them up like this. 
they wrapped, there may have been an outer sheet that was draped over them, but the legs and the arms, the head, were wrapped separately. And it is true that he struggled somewhat to come out of the tomb because he was wrapped up. But Jesus never intended for him to stay that way. Do you get that? Listen, when somebody comes and is saved in our church, they come wrapped in the world's problems. I guess it'd be nice, Cheryl, if all our problems went away as soon as we got saved. Be nice if we never sinned again, Paul, right? That would be great. But Mark, that's not how it works. We, we come wrapped, Alice, in grave clothes. Guess whose responsibility it is to unwrap the grave clothes that's still around that new believer, that new church member. You can't expect them to act like they've been saved for 40 years. Some people leave the church because they've made a profession of faith and the expectations of them go out of sight. We're here for a reason. Why did God leave us here? To unwrap those believers who have come to Christ since we did. We have a responsibility to them to loose them and let them go. Now listen, they couldn't raise the dead. Only Jesus could do that. Todd's a great guy, but he's never saved anybody. Nor have I. Neither have you. Now I'm grateful for Phyllis for bringing Bailey and a bunch of others that are sitting back there. Praise God. I wish, you'd, I wish we had more Phyllises. But we also need some more of our teachers, our mentors, our training to unwrap those that Jesus has saved. Only Jesus can save. By the way, that is a theological stand that we need to take. Nobody else can save. He is the only way to God. And faith in Jesus Christ is the only way you can be saved. You have to believe that He is the Son of God. You have to believe that He died for your sins. You have to believe that He was raised from the dead and He's living now. And you have to call on Him in faith, asking for forgiveness and asking for the gift of eternal life. That is the only way. But they were told and we are told to unwrap Him and let Him go. That means the church must unwrap those who have been made alive. People come to us with hurts, hang-ups, and habits. We have an opportunity right now to minister to families that are grieving. We are to unwrap them. We are to help them, to strengthen them, to love them, to pray for them. To do anything for them that we can within reason. That's why the church exists. Someone said, 
My commitment is, God, is to God and not to a group of believers. I'm sorry, but that's just dumb. I don't mean to be offensive. But Jesus purchased the church with his own blood and the church is important to him. And the church is here for a reason. The church is here. The church is the original support group. You talk about AA, you talk about addiction. The church is the original support group. Somebody who's an alcoholic needs to find healing and support, encouragement from the church. Someone who's grieving needs to find encouragement and help from the church. Someone who is divorced needs to find help and support from the church, someone who's been left by their mate. I could go on and on and on. There are a lot of grave clothes. And some people walk around even yet with grave clothes on. And I'm here to tell you that this is a place, friend. This is a place where you can have help and hope to be unwrapped from all the clothes, the dirty cloths of death with which you've been wrapped in this world. This is the place. There's no place like this place, anywhere near this place, so this must be the place. And I encourage you to be a part of this congregation. Finally, after all these sermons, and this is the last one, in this series, not the last one, but the last one in this series, I'm going to talk. About, I'm actually going to talk about Lazarus, Joe. I've, I've been preaching about Jesus the whole time, a little bit about the church, but I'm going to talk about Lazarus because it's important that we see the legacy of Lazarus. For one thing, you ask anybody who's been to Sunday school and church, who's Lazarus? Everybody knows, right? Hey, he's the guy that Jesus raised from the dead. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus. And why? Because he's the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus, from then till now, he will always be known as the man whom Jesus raised from the dead. That is his legacy. He was dead, but now he's alive. What will your legacy be? I want you to notice, they said, loose him. I've talked about what that means. But they also said, let him go. Let him go. Why? So he could tell his story. I wonder how many times Lazarus told his story. Hey, did you hear about it? I was dead. I'd been dead for four days. My body had already begun to rot. I promised myself I wouldn't go into the details of that this morning. I was dead four days. And Jesus made me alive. The result of that is that so many people came to Jesus, believed in Jesus because of Lazarus, that the priest plotted not only to kill Jesus, but to kill Lazarus too. That's a powerful testimony. The legacy of Lazarus 
is His testimony. What about you? You have a story. Everyone has a story. And the most powerful witness you have is your story of what Jesus has done for you. How many people have you told that story? How dare we clam up when we were dead and Jesus made us alive? He's cleaned us up. He's given us a new heart. He's put His Spirit within us. How dare we not tell about the life-saving and life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ? But there are a whole lot of people out there who would have to say, no one ever told me. No one ever asked me about my soul. How many people have heard your story? Tell everyone. Tell everyone you know. Because your story is more powerful in the ears of others than you would ever understand. I want